Quest for Healing Science, and I'm Dan Kenner, your host. I'm a clinician using natural medicine for over 40 years. I'm licensed to practice East Asian medicine in Japan and in California. That's mainly acupuncture and botanical medicine. I've traveled extensively to discover alternative medical breakthroughs from around the world. I've collected materials in Japanese, French, German, and Chinese to use as source material for my books, including botanical medicine, acupuncture core therapy, and the whole body workbook for cancer. There are whole systems of healing science, including German biological medicine, endobiogeny from France, as well as scientific developments in traditional medicines, such as TCM from China and Ayurveda from India. There is also nutritional science and many other scientific approaches that are found in the U.S. and Canada. So what is healing science? It's different from medical science because medicine and healing are not the same thing. So is healing science anti-medicine? Absolutely not. Medical science is fantastic. It's life-saving. It's a tremendous benefit to the world. Is healing science anti-technology? Absolutely no way. The modern technologies that are used for diagnosis, like MRIs, CAT scans, are of incredible benefit. But there's also the promise of stem cell technology that could revolutionize healing science, and it could create a whole new era of human existence. But medicine doesn't necessarily heal. If you have high blood pressure and take a pharmaceutical, you can expect to take it the rest of your life. If you have diabetes and take insulin, it's the same thing. Medicine manages, but is not necessarily corrective. Healing science is about bringing the blood pressure back to normal without toxic or synthetic chemicals. Healing science is about changing lifestyle and using supplements to reverse diabetes. Sometimes healing is not possible and a medical solution is necessary. But medicine doesn't necessarily heal, it manages illness, whereas healing science is corrective. Now, who is healing science? There are many holistic MDs. Naturopathic doctors train extensively and exclusively in many aspects of healing science. Some osteopaths practice healing science, as do doctors of chiropractic and many members of the nursing profession. Of course, there are licensed acupuncturists, nutritional counselors, physical therapists, and body workers. After studying in Japan for six years, I started my practice in California, but whenever it was possible, I traveled in order to meet innovative doctors and scientists. I spent considerable time in Germany, Switzerland, and France, where I met doctors who treat cancer successfully without chemotherapy or radiation, doctors who never use conventional antibiotics for infections, and doctors who were able to successfully treat problems that had no solution or even a treatment method in conventional medicine. Making a distinction between medicine and healing is common in some parts of the world. For example, a medical doctor named David Servant Schreiber went on a humanitarian mission on behalf of Tibetan orphans to India in the town of Dharamsala, which is filled with Tibetan refugees. He found that there were two healthcare systems in Dharamsala. The first was, of course, the Western Hospital, the Dalek Hospital with surgery, department, radiography, ultrasound, conventional medications. And around the hospital, physicians had trained in Western medicine in, in uh, Europe and the UK and the US and used the same textbooks he had used when he was in medical school. Uh, 
But in the same city, there was a medical school that taught traditional tr traditional Tibetan medicine, and also a plant that used that made um, the traditional plant medicines. And there were Tibetan doctors who treated their patients with totally different methods from the ones in Western medicine. It seemed obvious to Dr. Servon Schweber that uh, this Tibetan medicine, you know, couldn't possibly be very effective for anything. And he wondered what he would have done if he'd been a Tibetan and, and had fallen ill. So he put the question to, for example, the Minister of Health, who had invited him there in the first place, and to the Dalai Lama's brother at whose home he was staying. He put the same question, which would you choose if you fell really ill? Would you choose the traditional Tibetan medicine out of sentimentality or respect for tradition? Or would you choose modern and effective Western medicine? He even asked some of the Tibetan doctors what they would do if they fell ill. Well, everyone looked at him as if he were crazy, like this is a ridiculously stupid question. The answer inevitably was, if it's an acute disease, a crisis like pneumonia, myocardial infarction, or appendicitis, you see the Western doctors because they have effective treatments for crisis management and for accidents. But if it's a chronic illness, of course you want to see the Tibetan doctor because it can take months or years to get well. The treatments take longer to work, but they treat the person in depth. And in the long run, it's the only thing that really works. It's really hard to know what to believe these days. I present material that's covered in the peer-reviewed scientific and medical literature whenever possible. The peer-reviewed scientific and medical literature is not always dependable. It uh, is often very much influenced by commercial considerations, but it's generally reliable and ethical. I also prevent material present material from foreign language sources that is not available in English. Follow this podcast for practical health tips, for information on other ways to approach a wide range of health problems, for information about future healing science, and for interviews with world-class experts on a wide variety of conditions, and to find hard-to-get information on immunity, chronic infections like Lyme disease, alternative cancer therapies, and how to find resources. I want to talk about a number of different health problems and how doctors around the world will manage them. I want to tell you about a past golden age of healing science. And I'll tell you about me. I worked part-time at a large HMO for a couple of years, and I was worried that my patients would be difficult to communicate with because they might have a more conventional medical mindset. But they wanted to know how they could get off of their drugs. They wanted to know what I use in my private practice. So I want to share with you about the advice that I've learned from doctors around the world and how to obtain these resources. And I'll tell you more about uh, my own background later on in this episode. And we'll also have dumb jokes and a collection of health bits and pieces from the research literature. Here's our first break. Joke number one. Tales from the clinic. A man came into a clinic to see his doctor with a huge lump on his left shoulder. It was almost a foot tall. 
The doctor said, well, take your shirt off. Let, let's see what's going on here. So he took his shirt off and there was a parrot, a beautiful parrot sitting on his left shoulder. The doctor said, well, now, what can I do for you? The parrot said, can you get this thing off my rear end? episodes. These are discoveries that I've made in trips to Europe and uh, to East Asia mainly. One interesting one is electronic tumor reduction. This is a successful and safe procedure that's being used at all stages of cancer in Germany and in China. And it was developed by in the 1970s by a, a medical doctor who is on the Nobel Committee for Medicine and Physiology. And I found a book written in the 1890s that describes how to electronically remove tumors. So this is a technology that's been around, but it's been ignored for a long time. And it's, it's, it's been fairly extensively used in China. Biophoton emission. German university physicists using light from the human body for medical evaluation and using light beams for therapy. New hope for psychiatric and addiction disorders with nutritional therapy and brain repair. Treatment for depression and other psychiatric disorders with magnetic fields. And from France, there's a technology for respiratory problems that is more efficient than oxygen alone. Animal stories. Dogs who can diagnose disease with their sense of smell. Leeches and their healing powers. The Lyme disease controversy in Europe and the U.S. Three whole new systems of scientific medicine. Endobiogeny, which is medical doctors in France, who developed a new system of natural medicine based on regulating the neuroendocrine system in order to treat each person's unique condition with an individualized protocol, mainly using botanical medicine. German biological medicine. Hundreds of doctors in Germany, Austria, and the Netherlands and elsewhere are using this physics-based medical science. East Asian medicine. Hospital-tested non-toxic Chinese treatments for cancer, hepatitis, heart disease, COVID-19. We'll have a, a whole uh, uh, story on that and more. Also, what's new in acupuncture and scientific research into Qigong. In Japan, Kampo, the traditional herbal medicine, is completely professionalized and completely integrated into modern medical care and covered by the national Japanese National Health Insurance. Live cell therapy, treatment for all conditions related to aging. Visualization of the body's energy fields using Russian technology and Chinese technology. And an interesting story about three renowned doctors at the peak of their profession who developed successful cancer treatments. They were never invalidated, never discredited, but ultimately they were ignored. One was later named the father of immunology. One was a director in top hospitals in Germany, but had to immigrate to the U.S. when the Nazis came to power. And a third, I just mentioned earlier, was on the Nobel Prize Committee for Medicine and Physiology and was president of the Nobel Assembly in 1985. I want to share with you new risk assessment methods from Japan, France, Germany, and the U.S. 
early warning and early diagnosis for life-threatening disease. I want to share a Russian electrotherapeutic technology for pain and more, which was developed for use by the Cosmonaut program. Transcranial stimulation for chronic pain and depression, light therapy, using LEDs for chronic pain, intranasal lasers for a variety of health issues, treatment of infections without antibiotics, several methods used by doctors in Europe, and help for nervous system diseases like Parkinsonism and multiple sclerosis, using electromagnetic devices and certain supplements. I want to tell you the story of the Priore device, which was developed back in the 1960s and found to cure cancer in uh, test animals and in some people, and was the subject of a research project on uh, using it to treat sleeping sickness. Bioenergy testing. A doctor in Nevada who's developed a scientific method of testing the objectively testing the, the body's vital force and vital energy. Ozone therapy for Ebola and for many other diseases. Colloidal silver as used by doctors for treating chronic infections. In this show, I want to share with you stories about how to protect your health freedom by talking to experts, cancer survival, preventing recurrence and optimizing treatment, brain repair, the cure for addictions, fitness for seniors, the importance of getting exercise and methods for dealing with chronic pain, digestive problems, and more, future cancer therapy, an exploration of alternative cancer therapies, and some of them are beginning to influence the mainstream. And we've got a new generation of young uh, medical doctors, young oncologists who have a more holistic orientation. Toxic metals and their effects on health and how to get them out. Natural health care for pets. Magic herbs. A very important topic on biological dentistry, which is an important part of natural medicine, in particularly in the German-speaking parts of Europe. I want to tell you about the golden age of medicine that was prior to World War II. And I'll cover a number of health problems. Programs on allergies, asthma, digestive problems, autoimmune disorders, chronic infections, cancer, cardiovascular disease, chronic pain, and much more. So stay tuned. And in the next section, I want to tell you a little bit about my background and my training in Japan. So hold on. Health Bits and Pieces. Here's a health bit. This is from the American Journal of Psychiatry, 2018. Lightbox therapy has been used for decades for the treatment of the winter depression syndrome known as seasonal affective disorder, or SAD. The use of bright lights may also benefit other types of depression, even bipolar depression and treatment-resistant depression. Researchers at Northwestern University conducted a six-week randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial to investigate the efficacy of adjunctive bright light therapy at midday for bipolar depression. The purpose of the study was to determine changes in symptom level, rate of mood polarity, sleep quality, and remission rate in depressed adults with bipolar 1 or 2 disorder who were receiving anti-manic medications. Patients were randomly assigned treatment with either 7,000 lux bright white light, or 50 lux dim red placebo light. 
Compared with the placebo light group, the group treated with bright white light experienced a significantly higher remission rate, 68.2% compared with 22.2% at weeks 4 and 6, and significantly lower depression scores. No mood polarity switches were observed. Welcome back to Quest for Healing Science. So my decision to go to Japan to study Oriental medicine, which is uh, now referred to as East Asian medicine, was partly political. It was difficult, perhaps impossible, for an American to get a visa to study in China in the 1970s. But also I wanted to study in a place where I could see the type of patients that I could expect to see in the U.S. People of an industrial society with stress, stomach ulcers, high blood pressure, and other diseases of civilization. I was afraid that in China, which was pretty much a third world nation then, I would spend a lot of time studying how to treat things like malaria. My training outside of the medical school took me to Osaka Medical University Teaching Hospital, where I became an intern in the pain clinic. I also trained at Kinki University Medical Teaching Hospital Oriental Medicine Wing, where I observed under Dr. Shigeru Arichi. This included grand rounds, surgery observation, medical procedures, and data collection for research. I translated Dr. Arichi's research at the hospital on the use of Chinese herb formulas for the treatment of hepatitis, side effects of steroids, and also collected data on mechanisms of acupuncture and other research. I spent three years also studying with Dr. Tamotsu Mi in his private practice as an apprentice in a traditional style setting. Dr. Mi was a pulse master and used a style of meridian therapy that he learned from his own master who was legally blind and practiced meridian therapy in a tradition emphasizing development of intuition and touch sensitivity. So what are meridians? Do they exist? That's a long story for another episode. And you can check my website uh, for a video on modern science visualizing energy fields. Mi-sensei was very traditional. He was a follower of a Shinto sect called Omoto-kyo. Omoto began at the turn of the 20th century as a result of visions and automatic writing by the founder of the sect, a woman named Deguchi Nao. In Omoto, art is the mother of religion. Thus, the sacraments of Omoto are the traditional arts, including martial arts. In fact, Ueshiba Morihei, who founded Aikido, was an Omoto follower. Calligraphy, no drama, tea ceremony, pottery, dyeing, weaving, papermaking, and even acupuncture. For B-sensei, his clinical work was his work, his art, and his religion. He was also an accomplished amateur no dancer. After my first year of training, I was excused for several weeks to get direct beginning-level training in several of the traditional Japanese arts at the Omoto headquarters in the town of Kameoka, which is in uh, Kyoto Prefecture. During that time, I studied calligraphy, kendo, which is a type of sword fighting, uh, brush painting, and tea ceremony. Mi-sensei had many prominent clients, including Hollywood movie stars, rock musicians, Japanese artists, business leaders, and political figures, a fact that he did not publicize. At the time I began my apprenticeship, 
I was surprised to find that Mi-sensei was treating Dr. Buckminster Fuller, creator of the geodesic dome and developer of his math system called Synergetics. This led to an opportunity for me to be Dr. Fuller's host one evening and spend several evenings visiting with him. In addition, he saw uh, the movie star James Coburn, uh, Steven Seagal, Jackson Brown, David Bowie. Uh, these were all patients of his at one time or another. The training in the clinic was never didactic instruction. From the first day, I was told that the training would be a minimum of two years, probably three, and that the purpose of trainees developed chokkan, which is a word meaning intuition. The training was traditionally 15 years in duration. In my case, being an intellectual and being a Westerner, I was told not to read any books related to or peripheral to medicine or healing for at least one year. Mi-sensei, who was a pulse master and saw upwards of 70 patients a day, said that you can develop abilities that will appear paranormal just by diligently practicing to observe clearly and deeply what your senses are able to tell you. In this context, intuition is a refining of the senses rather than a pure psychic phenomenon. This is the original etymology of the word clairvoyant, which meant to see clearly. Misense himself was remarkably intuitive and often astonished people with his insights. He pointed out that there is nothing magic about intuition. He said consciousness doesn't develop unconsciously. In order for your powers of observation to develop and be refined, you first must learn to observe more deeply that which you can already perceive. During the training, my physical condition also counted. If I'd been eating badly, not sleeping well, or out partying too much, since I could tell at a glance. I was only aware that some days he kept me extremely busy and other days I would stand around the entire day. The development of treatment skills ran parallel with the development of skills of palpation and to be able to observe what Sensei was thinking about by how he selected points and how he advised patients after treatment. The last six months of my three-year apprenticeship required me to come to Sensei's clinic only on Saturdays and operate my own clinic in the village where I lived the other five days a week, and which was becoming financially successful just around the time I was expected to leave Japan. The immigration authorities apparently had decided that six years in Japan was long enough to study traditional medicine, especially if I was able to earn a living at it. When I finally was ready to leave Japan, Sensei told me, well, you're finished here, but that doesn't mean that you're ready to practice. Training takes many years, and as I've told you before, I trained for 15 years, and you've only been here for three. But at least you've reached the point where you're able to start learning on your own, so good luck. I was not greatly encouraged. During the first year of practice in the U.S., I was surprised to find out how much I had learned and how much I operated at an instinctive level. It was alarming in many ways because my upbringing and education prejudiced me to believe that one should act according to a theory, a rational plan predetermined by intellectual and theoretical considerations. In my training, and in training in many of the traditional arts in Japan as well, theory is for beginners. There's no such thing as applying martial arts theory or applying tea ceremony theory or any of the traditional arts from an, from an intellectual standpoint. One learns to practice, to sense, and to respond. And this is what takes time. 
Study from books is relatively easy and takes only a short time, but one develops no personal power or ability from books. I'd been told this over my years in Japan many times and in many ways, but it took me several years for it to sink in. And I must admit that it's still sinking in. So thanks for listening. Check my website at www.questforhealingscience.com. Thank you.